Amen, amen. I'm going to invite you to turn to page 1812 and 1813. We're going to read two passages from the book of Galatians. One of these we read a few weeks ago with our uh, Fruit of the Spirit study. <clears throat> so we'll be wrapping up our long study we, we, uh, on the Holy Spirit. We actually started back before school was out for a lot of kids. <laughs> uh, we started back in early June... And so for this summer, we have been reflecting on the Holy Spirit, this long-planned gift and promise of the Father. This wasn't something that came about. This is something God intended all along to bless and encourage and comfort and help and strengthen and transform our lives as we're baptized in and by the Spirit, that is, we're welcomed into the family of faith. We're joined to Jesus Christ as the Spirit comes to dwell with us and in us and the mystery of how that happens. The Spirit of truth who's always pointing us to Jesus, the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and in the resurrection. It is the Spirit that points us to Jesus, that illumines the Word of God to us. And then the Spirit's the one who comes alongside the paraclete, the advocate, the comforter, the helper, and friend, the one who joins us in a koinonia, a community that cares for one another, that walks through one another, with one another, through uh, up and down, through valley and, and mountain. And then, and then the Spirit who enables and empowers us to serve with these gifts, the Spirit who transforms our character into the character of Jesus Christ, sanctifying us, leading us to freedom, to, to live as God intends for us to live. And then, of course, we've reflected on the power of the Spirit, a power that is in us, among us, around us, is manifest through us. Everything that we enjoy and experience in the Christian life is through the Holy Spirit. So we just sit back and relax and enjoy the ride all the way up to heaven, right? There's nothing for us to do, right? We let the Spirit do the driving. And so, so let's read another passage. We, we, we've read this first section uh, some weeks ago, and then we'll finish out in chapter 6. So this begins, Galatians 5, beginning verse 16. Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Flesh is the word Paul uses not to speak of this stuff, but that sin principle, something in us that dwells within, that manifests through our hands and our eyes and our feet and our hands and our voices, that sinful nature. So, the flesh desires, the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. 
so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, we know it as patience, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And so let's skip down to verse 7 now of chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Since we live by the Spirit, and that's true, we live, we have the spiritual life, our, our life in Christ, our life with one another, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so hopefully through, through the summer, we've come to understand the Holy Spirit is not just some optional perk for really spiritual people, kind of an add-on for those who want to goose up their religious life a little bit. The entirety of the Christian life that we experience comes through the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so it makes sense then for Paul to say these words. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now the word Paul uses there, it's a figure of speech. When he's talking about keeping in step with the Spirit, it suggests walking together in some kind of formation or cadence or rhythm it's suggestive of military formation a, a military drill left 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 right left why is that called out because sometimes they're not marching left sometimes they're marching right uh, I've got Gomer Pyle in my mind some of you who are young don't remember Gomer Pyle but you know he'd have to kind of skip to get himself in order and Sergeant Carter's got his veins, you know. Let us, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I recall going over to Annapolis and uh, enjoying, my, my, my father and oldest brother both attended the, the academy there and when I was younger, sometimes we go to the the P-Raid grounds, as my dad would say, the parade grounds, and we'd watch uh, the midshipmen. 
And then those Navy football games as the brigade would march in. Boy, was it just powerful when you see a lot of people marching together. But you know that doesn't just happen. How many of you went to one of our service academies, had to learn how to march? Does it happen the first time? I don't think so. Uh, There's other experiences in life for those of us who have not been in the military. Children lining up. I'm thinking, looking at Jennifer now. Do you have to line up the children to go out the door? And it happens just like that every time with the children, right? You know, no, we have to line them up to head out. We have to line them back up, you know, heading out to recess uh, or, or for lunch. Uh, dancers on stage, the choreography, they're moving effortlessly when we watch the performance, but it is not so the first time. There's training, there's discipline, there's work, there's effort, there's focus. And there's a plan. <laughs> That's the choreography. And so um, uh, my son, my, my youngest son, uh, works as a music educator. He was in the marching band in high school and now he teaches others. Let's just say the marching band doesn't always get it right the first time. Okay. Moving in harmony, an invisible connection between the individuals, whether it be the brigade marching in, the, uh, the, the drummers and the trumpet players uh, on the marching band. How do they know to keep that spacing? How do they know when to turn? It's like they're turning in perfect sequence. Well, yeah. They've trained themselves, they've worked, they have labored. There's alignment, there's synchronicity, there's cooperation. All these words we could use to describe that experience. And it's an amazing and it's a, it's a wonderful and it's a beautiful thing. Often we watch this moving together as one. This is what Paul is suggesting. That the Christian family, that, that it, it's in the plural. <laughs> All y'all keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us learn to move together, to, to um, coordinate ourselves, to cooperate with what the choreographer, <laughs> what the Holy Spirit is trying to do with us. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so hearing those words, we can just say, well, great, got it. Let's all agree. Should we all agree that we're going to keep in step with the Spirit forevermore at Greenwich? All in favor, say aye. Foes say no. It is so ordered. So that means we're never going to have a problem here, right? It begins with the intention to do so. But Paul gives another word picture here that helps us understand why it is difficult to keep in step with the Spirit. And he talks about the flesh, and he talks about the Spirit. He, he speaks of what we might call the law of the harvest. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And so if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap from the Spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the 
flesh. Paul is drawing an analogy, a feature of physical life, the, the physical world that God has uh, placed us in. There is a parallel in the spiritual realm as well. And so, a pop quiz, if you plant peas, what are you going to get? Okay, okay, I'm glad this is why we're having a pop quiz. If you plant petunias, what are you going to get? If you plant pineapples? They were all P. I couldn't think of another P word. There's got to be another one, right? Corn and cabbage and cucumbers came together a little easier for me. Whatever you plant is what you're going to get. Duh. But that's what Paul's saying. <laughs> whatever you plant, whatever seed you sow is what you are going to reap. And so this is the challenge because there's something in us, though we have been forgiven, there is still something in us that works to our demise in the spiritual life. The flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. How does he say? For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. That's the flesh. The flesh says, I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's the marching band. That's the rogue flute player who says, I don't care if I'm supposed to turn this way, I'm going to turn this way. And all of a sudden you see it, don't you? And so when we're not in step, when we're going our own way, and so Paul is giving us a couple images, a couple metaphors, word pictures, here to help us understand this life in the Spirit. God desires us to move in such a way that we are connected with what he is doing and that we're honoring one another, that there's a unity within the fellowship. And so something that we have inherited from Adam still messes us up. The end of the day, what happened in the garden, Adam and Eve, God, I think we want to do it our way. Thank you very much for your commandments. Thank you very much for your instructions. But, but we would rather. And so this is the challenge. This is why it's difficult in the spiritual life to, to always get in sync. And so it's in that context that he contrasts the acts of the flesh, which are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, etc., and then the fruit of the Spirit. He's describing two kinds of harvests that are the result of two kinds of seed that have been sown. And so we as Christians are called to be intentional and purposeful and thoughtful and vigilant around these realities. The life we share in Jesus Christ doesn't automatically grow. We have a responsibility and role in this. We are to keep in step with the Spirit. That's given as a command and an instruction, guidance. We are to sow to please the Spirit. With our words, with our actions, with our thoughts. 
with our attitudes. Words and actions can be seen by others and, and noticed by others. Thoughts and attitudes don't get always noticed immediately by others, but they have impact. If our words are angry and harsh and sarcastic and rude and profane, if we gossip, if we lie, if we deceive, what can we expect to reap? But if we speak kindness and truth and encouragement and blessing, what can we expect to reap? And so if we sow to please the flesh, if we expose our eyes and our minds to immorality, what can we expect to reap? If, we're, if we nurture hateful thoughts, jealousy, fits of rage, what a, what a phrase, fits of rage, explosions, selfish ambition, I, I, I'm going to do what I want to do here. Drunkenness. Ugh. When we sow to please the flesh, from the flesh we reap destruction. It diminishes our lives, it impacts our relationships. Our relationship with God is affected, our relationship with others, with our world. And truth be told, we don't become very happy people. But if we sow to please the Spirit, if we sow seeds of love and of joy. Okay, it didn't work out this time, but I, you know, I'm just glad to be alive. Some of us didn't have our team win yesterday. I ain't going to say who. We can nurture anger and frustration and bitterness. <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, we'll get them next week. There's a different way of thinking. Okay, in your marriage, in your relationship, with your conversation with your child, it's not going exactly the way you want. Well, you know what? I'm going to live to fight another day. <laughs> okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to yield here. You know, Jesus taught us to consider the interest of others, to, 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 to surrender. <laughs> I'm going to do that to demonstrate goodwill. This is sowing to the Spirit. I'm not going to hold the grudge. I'm going to sow forgiveness. It's hard right now, Lord, help me sow this seed because right now I want to be mad. And so if we sow forgiveness, we reap relationship. We, we, we reap mercy. I, I see that need. I'm really busy right now. I don't know if I've got time. Lord, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to sow to the Spirit right now. I'm going to take a couple minutes and try to talk to that person and see what I can do. I'm going to sow a seed to the Spirit, a seed of kindness. I, I, I walked in the middle of a conversation and they're talking politics again. And I swore, I, if they ever talk politics again, I'm never talking to those people again. I'm going to sow a word of gentleness. I'm going to sow a word of kindness and patience. It, does, it doesn't make me happy, but I'm going to, 
I value that relationship more than being right on this situation. I think this is the hard work that we're called to in sowing to the Spirit. The reality is our words and our actions often begin with our thoughts. Thoughts that no one else can discern, but our Lord knows. Uh, you may have heard this little saying, like I, I, think, I think I was probably still in college when, when somebody first shared it with me. You sow a thought, you reap an act. So our thinking shapes our actions. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. I think it's reflective of what Paul is writing about here, the law of the harvest of sowing and reaping. And so as we wrap up this series, let me invite you. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let's, let's, we will do our part as leadership and pastors and a staff and elders and deacons to help the congregation keep in step with the Spirit. As we speak, as we pray, as we lead, we will do our best to help us be coordinated with, cooperating with what we discern the Holy Spirit to be calling us to do through the Word of God and the work of Jesus Christ. But then, let me invite you also to sow to the Spirit. In your own life, in relationships, at work, at home, among strangers, within the church family. To plant seeds to please the Spirit. Here's how I remember to do this when I'm at my best. Is this thought, is this action, is this word, is this attitude helping me to sow to the Spirit? Just the very question slows something down. It gets me intentional. Is this act, is this word, is this thought going to help me sow and plant towards the Spirit? And we can pray. Lord, as we get into our morning, I don't know, I say my, most of my prayers in the morning. Lord, help me this day to sow, so as to please the Spirit, not the flesh. And then I find something not going the way I wanted. Am I just reaping something where I've sown to the flesh? Let me, and so it's, this is all going to happen up here, in here. Nobody's going to see it. But it's something if we can train ourselves, it will enable us, I believe, to keep in step with the Spirit, to enjoy this life from the Spirit. And in proper time, we, we will, if we do not give up, as Paul says, 
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I believe that's what we all want for our lives, for our families, for our children, for our neighbors, for our church, and for our world, that we would be those who help this world to experience this harvest of righteousness, this harvest of, of blessing. And so, friends, let me invite you to do so. And that's what this table is. It's a simple act. In a few minutes, we're going to take a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice, and we are going to sow to the Spirit. That in this act of confession, in this act of acknowledgement, in this act of remembrance, in this act of eating and drinking, we're saying, Lord, we want to we want to keep in step with the Spirit. <laughs> and we want to sow to the Spirit and so reap eternal life. And so, Lord, make it so. Make it so in our lives, not just our Sunday morning lives, but, but make it so as we go home this afternoon, as we get in conversation, as we turn on the TV. Help us to think before we act Help us to examine our attitudes, our words. Lord, teach us. Teach us so that we might be planting those seeds, sowing those seeds to the Spirit. And we have confidence in your promise and faithfulness that we will reap a harvest of eternal life. And all God's people said, Amen.